Welcome everybody to another Angry Wargamer podcast. This is another one of those special ones with myself and the um, probably one of the nicest, coolest publishers of any type of war game that I've actually got the opportunity to talk to. Um, he does um, World War II historical miniatures. He does gaming accessories. He even has his own two game systems now, right? Oh, it's one game system with two uh, variants. Two variants, so okay. The, yeah, it's the guards rule system, and we have Shattered Crown for World War One, which is themed, and then we have Empire Falls, which is World War Two themed. Okay, there you go. And this is Lee from Gaddis Gaming. Hey, everyone. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, it was, uh, so I've been trying to get, like, get this together, and then we saw each other at Adepticon, and I totally forgot to schedule this, like, totally forgot. There was, <laughs> there was so much to see, right? There were so many distractions. I mean, every place you turned, there was new vendors with brand new sculpts, brand new miniatures, new paint lines that were coming out. I don't know where the laser tag thing came from. That's where we, uh, that's where your son, uh, bolted to and, and broke, yeah. up, broke, broke up the, the party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. That was a uh, Games Workshop actually put that together, I guess. So yeah, and and the, the 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 side effect of that was that normally everybody got pushed because Games Workshop took up that whole room, and normally you would have um, Mantic and um, and some of the other smaller vendors there, and then the historicals would be over in the other side in Utopia. But by them shifting everything out, historicals got pushed into a completely other uh, hotel, which was like three miles away. So, oh wow, yeah, I didn't even make it to the other hotel. So, yeah, most people did. I mean, people who went there for the historicals stayed there, and then people who were just omnivores didn't even get a chance to see it at all. Most people didn't even know that historicals had moved. So, uh, games like um, uh, Flames of War and Bolt Action and Conflict 47 and and those type of historical chain of command um, all got pushed out of the uh, out of the main venue. So yeah. that was really sad to see it broken up like that. But it's good to see that that um, it's growing. But I think the domination of the the space by Asmodee doing their Star Wars license and and Marvel license. And then Games Workshop taking up everything else with Age of Sigmar and Warhammer 40K. And now Horus Heresy, there's not really much room in that venue anymore for, for other vendors to, to do things. The, the, the mid-tier vendors, like small vendors yeah. like us, I mean, there's always the open player. Or we only need one or two tables. But if you are trying to um, debut an entire product line, it's going to be really hard to do it uh, when you're going up against those two juggernauts. Yeah, I thought there was another um, last... Not I want to say last year, but it wasn't last year. Um, about twenty nineteen. Yeah, twenty nineteen. I think was the last time I was there. Um, I thought they had the room split, but I think they just had the partitions up because where like the Horse Heresy and Star Wars and everything was, I thought there mm-hmm. were vendors over there, but I could be wrong. They might have just had the partitions no, up no, and had no. it spread so out. So back where they had. Back where they had Marvel Crisis Protocol was where Warlord was doing bolt action tournaments. Oh, so in that back area, yeah. and then Mantic had their Kings of War tournament back there also. Right, 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 right. And X Wing and Armada were up towards the front. And remember, that was the first year they released Star Wars Legion. Yes, yeah, that was their so first like major tournament for it too. I think. Yeah, so they just had you bought you bought a box, you put it on the table, and you played it. But it wasn't a major. 
uh, deal the way they had it where they had, you know, 10 tables all set up full of terrain and everything. And then they also had in Corpus Belly also had infinity back there. Yep. So, I mean, again, when you had those mid tier people being, being, you know, taking up the tournament space, um, it pushes everyone, you know, like I said, it was just take all the historicals, put them, <laughs> hide the historicals, <laughs> you know, put all, put them all someplace else. And then you had, Cor- you know, anybody that was doing a tournament like Corvus Belly with Infinity and um, Armada, Legion, X-Wing. And I don't know, did they have, I saw somebody said that they had a, um Imperial Assault tournament too. So you even had a table of Imperial Assault, even though no new materials coming out for it. There's still right. a very active play community, which I don't understand why they don't do a Clone Wars expansion for it. For, oh, um, man. I've been for asking Imperial for that. <laughs> I've been asking for Clone Wars since it was released. I was like, they need to do Clone Wars. <laughs> yeah, because so. remember when Legion first came out, it was just Galactic Republic versus Rebels. And yeah. I was like, well, they have to do a uh, a Clone Wars version of this, so I'm just going to wait. So I didn't buy in. I was like, oh, come on and play Legion, come on and play Legion. I'm like, I will as soon as they release the Clone Wars version, right? right exactly. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and then when they released it, I was all in. I bought two core boxes. I traded off my droids for more clones, more clones than I'll ever need. But, you know, I got to have every every Legion right. <laughs> <laughs> painted up. So so I did all the variants. I did the 212s. I did um, the Galactic Marines. You know, I did them all. And then uh, 3D printing kind of took over when the um when covid hit and yeah. everybody was locked in you know and you couldn't get anything at the stores and then fantasy flight was changing hands to atomic mass games and you couldn't get face two clone troopers to save your life yep the atomic mass you know, game so- switch was just um so asmoday owns fi- fantasy flight and atomic mass and it yes. was just them like literally shifting um like the the titles they were just taking it away from fantasy flight which seemed kind of weird to me because fantasy flight doesn't have they're not really they don't have anything left i don't think they have keyforge and like cthulhu now and and lord of the rings no not lord well, of the rings don't say uh, fantasy flight i think the the move to me as as a as a manufacturer of of miniatures and games it seemed to me that fantasy flight was to concentrate on their card game and board game properties and then the miniatures would be exclusively in the realm of Atomic Mass Games. Now, whether Atomic Mass Games has the ability to sustain it is a, is a whole other thing. Uh, I think they're I think they're woefully understaffed, and the fact they just they just killed any new releases for our Armada, yeah. you know, after the initial like really big demand for the Clone Wars era ships is a really missed opportunity on their part. Yeah, that kind of actually brings me to a, a one a question that I had um, as far as the manufacturing side goes for you with mm-hmm. the shift from because I think the problem that they're having is that a lot of their stuff came from China. This Fantasy Flight, most of the X-Wing stuff came from China and then had to be imported in. And they were kind of falling back on that. But with the rising cost of because I know you still work in pewter and you said you spin it yourself yep. with the rising cost of tin. And just materials being so short, has that affected you at all or uh, made you thinking to go oh, into yeah. a different? Yeah, we had, to, we had to raise our prices by 30% this year because of the, the, the cost of the rise in metal and paper. Like even cardboard is getting scarce, you know. Oh, wow. and, um, and I made a decision. I mean, this is a conversation I had with Paolo back in 2012 when he released Dust. 
And he was like, oh, make it in China. Make everything in China. It's so cheap. You can get it. And I, and I was like, well, what happens if we get into a trade war? <laughs> you know, what right, happens yeah. <laughs> if these aren't so good between uh, America and China? Because, oh, it's never going to happen. You know, the labor there is so cheap. And so he put all his eggs in the China basket. And it, it came back to biting last year because he had eight months where he couldn't get anything out of China. Yeah. Yep. And if you're not selling any miniatures in eight months, then you are uh, out of business, basically. Right. And so, yeah. so we had to close shop. So I was um, almost prophetic in that in, when we had that conversation, and um, and uh, and he was he was one of my heroes, you know, as far as doing weird war stuff and 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 his artistic skills, you know, uh, even back when he was he was working for Rackham. So uh, what what we're looking at right now is is a rebalancing of of these. Uh, of these supply lines, right? Because what you have is it's really easy to stop an economy, right? right. You just send everybody home, nobody do anything, <laughs> close the docks, so on and so on and so forth. Well, that creates pent up demand, and so it's a lot harder to restart those supply lines and get those things back up and running back to par. And some countries, like I said, uh, I think most of our tin was coming out of the Philippines. And when those mines closed, I mean, the price of tin just went through the roof. And we right. use nickel and tin and are making our, our pewter miniatures and uh, and to keep our high quality. And, and the Christmas, luckily, before COVID, we had just made a major purchase. You know, we locked our prices in right. and we had bought a lot of metal. So we were able to keep it. But, you know, two years we, we went through our supply. And now this year we have to re-up at the higher price which means that price has to be passed on to the consumer. Now we don't do what GW did where, <laughs> where they just like, just, uh, you know, it costs them three cents to make it. They're making it all in Nottingham and they're just going to raise double the prices come hell or high water, no matter what happens. Right. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but, that, but that's not us because like I said, all of our stuff is made in Detroit. You know, it's all made here in the United States. Uh, we don't get any of our, our, our supplies uh, from, from China. Uh, but sometimes the raw materials have to come uh, from from, from China, from overseas, you know, uh, yeah. because that's an international market. I mean, there's no local tin mine in Michigan that I can go buy tin from, in, you know. <laughs> That'd be in, nice, in though, wouldn't it? <laughs> but if I wanted iron, if I wanted iron, I know exactly where to go get iron from. But I don't think anybody would play with iron miniatures. Um, so that so as we try to future proof our business. What we're looking at is um, switching over to Siocast plastics, why okay. they have a renewable uh, resin we can use to make hard plastic miniatures the same way that um, um, that the new Star Wars sculpts are. You know, oh, nice. instead of soft plastic, it's, it's hard plastic on, on a sprue. But we can, you know, uh, single cast where you don't even have to put it together, right? Where you can, where it's all one single uh, miniature. molded miniature. And so... It's a, it's a conversation we're having right now where we're banding together with smaller companies. Instead of us each buying a Silecast machine and competing with each other, we decided to pool our resources, you know, um, buy the machine, and then all print together as, as one uh, collaborative, you know, one cooperative of, of miniatures manufacturers. Because there's a lot of smaller miniatures manufacturers who just can't afford to buy it. I mean, the machine right. is expensive. You know, your upfront costs are pretty high. But for us, you know, it becomes an evergreen product. I mean, World War II is never going to go out of style. I mean, no. <laughs> you're always going to want to fight in World War II. You know, World War One, we added Weird War to it. And now it seems like a lot of people are jumping on that bandwagon <laughs> since we did Shattered Crown uh, with the Harlem Hellfighters and we put the Tesla tanks and all the Weird War stuff. Because before us, people were just fighting trench wars. It was always 
you know, right. go, you know, uh, fighting on the, on the, on the French Belgian border, you know, um, and for us, it, we made it more of a, uh, you know, added that sci-fi weird element to it, you know, so you can play it straight if you want, but if not, you know, if you want to you know, do something different and just go out of, you know, color outside the lines, as it were, we made it so that people can use Tesla coils and death rays and throw vampires and werewolves into the mix and away you go, you know? And so we have that whole universe set up, you know, just, just to have fun because I mean, I don't know if you you have, but I played with enough people where they're arguing about whether there were copper buttons or you know wooden buttons wow. on Napoleonic uniforms. You know, I don't I don't want to play with those guys. <laughs> you, if, if you if you spent any time listening to to the podcast, I think there's been multiple times where I I kind of crap on the historical miniature guys because those are most of the guys that I run into. Like that's what's kept me out of historical gaming as like a whole. Sure, yeah. And um, I, I, and it's not just that. It's there's like there's other things that come along with it that will kind of lead into another question later on. But um, my favorite thing about the Shattered Crown stuff is specifically is like the ball tanks, the the railgun tank that you guys just developed. It's yeah, you you playing World War One, World War Two, but you're you're playing it in a way where you don't have you're not locked into that like hard like. Someone can't just be like, "Oh, that's not historically correct." Well, of course it's not. Ball tanks were never invented. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, they had prototypes, but they never met the field, right? Right. So, <laughs> so, so it's World War II once removed, right? And yeah. the reason that I did that is because I took everything that I liked about historical war gaming and I kept it, and everything I didn't like, I left it out, right? So right. the rules are really easy. You can learn them and play in like fifteen minutes, right? right. Um. And then you want all the toys on the table. You know, you want to be able to put all your really cool shit that you can't put in the in other games into it. Because when I look through a lot of World War II stuff, they oh yeah, this was a prototype that was that was tested at Bobbington Tank Factory, but it never got into production. I'm like, why not? That looks so cool. And of course, there are <laughs> historical reasons for it. You know, right, right, right. <laughs> because right. it was an impractical design, or because it weighed 80 tons, or whatever. But on the tabletop, hey, in our world, it's a possibility that this is the route that they took. You know, like the M6 was one of my favorite tanks, but Patton put the kibosh on it because he said, "I'd rather have six Sherman than two M6s," because it was a weight thing, right? He said, right. instead of me bringing in two heavy tanks, give me six medium tanks. Yeah, there was strategy behind and, it and cost yeah, there and was, weight and yeah. 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 <laughs> the practicality so, so wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, and screw it. And we had tons of people. I mean, the the fact that the crew was better protected and we could save people wasn't a concern. You know, the concern was get as many tanks on the field as he possibly could. Right. You yeah. know, that's what we call him old Mr. Blood and, uh, old blood and guts, you know. <laughs> 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 no, for sure, but th that, that's because that's, the... that's, that's what you were cleaning out of your tank at the end of the day, you yeah. know. And then GM had the the processes to just turn them out, you know, like cars, you know. Once you get the assembly line going, you know, where all the parts were standardized and everything, you know, came through. And uh, and so I think for us as gamers, being able to say, hey, we're going to play this game. I have a World War II army, but I'm going to add a ball tank to it. I'm going to add a rail gun to it. I'm going to add uh, a death ray on my on my Panzer, you know, uh, J. You know, I'm, right. you know, it's, <laughs> it's 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 all in good fun. Are you roll? At the end of the day, are you rolling dice? Are you telling a good story? And are you having fun? Exactly. That, that's our motto and our company. Whenever we develop any games, 
that's what that's what's at the forefront of, of our thought process. You know, so people want to hit us because, you know, we we sell historical miniatures. Yes, we do. We do sell historical miniatures, but you don't have to be locked into that mindset. You know, we also sell a wide range of, of other things, you know, right. things that other companies wouldn't even think of. So going to that, my favorite thing that I still have to purchase from you, because I'm definitely going to get one, is that table topper. Um, what was the thought behind the table topper as opposed to just a normal, like, here's a mat you can roll out onto a table type thing? And what where, what was your thinking getting into that developing of that product? Right. Well, I don't know if you remember back in the day, this was about the 2013, there was a company called Geek Chic and they made gaming tables. Yes. Right. And they started at about 10 grand and I think went up to about 20 grand. And I wanted one really badly. And then my wife was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm not spending $20,000 on a table with cabinets and drawers for you to store your miniatures and stuff in. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so she went over to her CAD program and she said, here, make this, <laughs> you know, and literally, you know, she just designed it and, 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 and threw it down. And then we went over and, uh, and, uh, and took it to the game store because they were, had those, ma- everybody was playing magic at the time. Right. Yeah. And uh, so they only had those tables and we wanted to play war games and they were, and they didn't have four by six tables you know, and then if you put two tables together, you had that seam in the middle. Yeah. You know, so if you threw a mat down, there was still that, yeah, there was still that seam. And so we said, look, we'll put this, we don't need a table. We need something on top of the table. Right. Right. And so, uh, so we designed it and took it out and started playing with it. And then the original one was a four by four with a three inch diameter in the middle, uh, place area. And we were playing X-Wing and Wings of Glory, you know, just smaller games like that. Right. You know, that was the time that those games came out. And um, and then uh, people were like, well, could you could you make one for playing 40K? And I'm like, yeah. So we went home and designed it. We make one. We brought it in. And a guy was like, I want that right now. I'll give you money for it. And, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah. And then he said, oh, my friend saw this at my house and they want three. And then it became six. And then we had an order for like 10 of them from a store pandemonium games is oh we need 10 of these and i was like i think we're in business i don't i don't know if <laughs> this is how businesses get started but now that we've made 20 of these damn things i think there's a business for it so we immediately went to kickstarter and say hey we have this idea to make this is anybody interested in it? and people gave us like five thousand dollars for it um just to develop awesome. the idea and we developed the idea and then we put it up um for sale for you know for pre-order like, look here it is we sold it at a, at pretty much what it costs to make it and then the really funny thing is they went from weight in shipping to volumetric shipping. So by yeah. it being 48 <laughs> inches by 33 inches by nine inches, you know, it became a 90 pound item instead of the 17 pound item that it was. It was really um, incredible how the shipping industry just started gouging people on, on shipping in 2015, 2016. Oh, it got, um, so I think UPS is, kind of always done that fedex has kind of always done it but they shifted from like you said it it took more of the volume into account than it did the weight that's the weight yeah yeah, so the weight is still important but the the volume of that is what really really gets them now yeah the minute you go over four feet they 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 ping you hard yeah 
they ping you hard. And we're, and we're literally two inches over four feet because we put it in a cardboard box. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're over four feet. It's, it's a heavy good. We have to, even though it weighs, you know, 17 pounds, we have to ship it as though it weighs 90 pounds because you're two inches over four feet. Yeah, it's. I mean, it was ir- absolutely ir- ridiculous. What is it? Irregular packaging is what they call it. And yeah, it's still irreg- irregular box. heavy goods is what they call it, and it's neither. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not heavy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man. So, 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 yeah. So that was the impetus. The impetus was uh, as ga- we were gamers, we were gamers, and we needed something to play on, and we were miniatures gamers, particularly, you know, which is different from board gamers and card card flippers. You know, we were miniatures gamers, and we needed a, you know, a minimum of three feet to play on. Yeah, at least you know, I know. I know there's a yeah. couple stores that I used to go to, and their solution was just a piece of cut up, uh, like plywood, like a thin plywood, sheet of plywood, yeah. and then drop it on the table, yeah. and then it's still like you said, uneven. The plywood would start to bow, like it would. Right. You know, you'd have problems with it. You get splinters in your hand when you try to pick it up. It was heavy. Right. Yeah. It was cumbersome. <laughs> and that's why the game store bought ours because he was like, this is super lightweight. I can fold it up, stack it in the corner. It's not going to kill anybody if it falls over, you know. And they weren't getting splinters in their hands by, by, by hauling the plywood around, you know. And, uh, and so for, for a lot of stores, it became the go-to item uh, in the Metro Detroit area because they were able to now take their magic card tables and convert them overnight into Warhammer tables. So there wasn't a, this side of the room is for Warhammer, this side of the room is for magic. Now the whole game store can be either one, you know, as needed. You can, you could scale it. Right. You know, and I think at, um, both at Historicon and at Adepticon, it was our, our, most talked about product if i could get people to translate that into sales that would really help a lot you know, a lot of people said they were going to buy it but then they you know i don't know i don't know what they do but, I, I am i am actually but, yeah. going to buy it i just have to get rid of like this project in the basement needs to go because right. i don't even have a table to put it on right now <laughs> yeah so i'm actually yeah, gonna get one at, i just need yeah, to I look at fix some stuff who have uh, who have got those ikea block the shelving units and they turned them on their sides and they yeah. put two of those together, put the table topper on top of it, and they store all their miniatures in the little cubicles underneath. Yeah. I mean, that, it's a really elegant solution. Yeah. If you saw my basement, like, you know exactly what I was talking about right now, though. Because it's yeah, like, it's like yeah, a half demoed room. Uh, Your <laughs> hive of chaos. Yeah. It's, it's pretty bad right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I saw that. But, uh, but yeah, so, so that was the impetus for it is that we were gamers. Uh, we, we, we had a problem and that became the solution to the problem. And, and again, to, to stop shipping from being so much, it was, uh, it was to make it as lightweight as possible. And in Detroit, we had a lot of this, um, it was the foam that goes into the bumper. We had a lot of this leftover byproduct of foam that we were able to, to get from, uh, um, from auto suppliers and, 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 and cut it down. You know, so so that was that was the impetus to it. It was just taking um, materials that we had locally and and sourcing them, and then you know using it to make something that as is inexpensive as, as we can make it. Because our nearest competitor, I think their their cheapest product is about fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars. Ooh, you wow. Know? Yeah. So, but it's still cheaper than than twenty thousand that people paid for those geek sheet tables. Right. But um, <laughs> but you're not going to get anything. Uh, you know, as 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 utilitarian and as lightweight and as versatile as a table topper, you know, I mean, even if you even if you bought everything that goes with it, you're not going to go over five hundred dollars for it. You right. know, so yeah. I, I always tell them, 
when people ask me how much it costs, uh, I tell them it's nine Lehman Russ or two Bane Blades, whichever <laughs> one you, you want. You know, perfect, I had to, I had yeah. to speak at the definitely kind of had to speak in Warhammer dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, with the amount of money that we spend in our hobby, it, it's still hilarious to me that we do try to cheap out as much as possible. Like try, like try to get stuff at, at a lower cost than we could possibly get it at, but we're willing to spend actual price on, over, on one yeah. on one chaplain <laughs> miniature or one hero figure. Right, right. I mean, I've seen, I've seen people come in and spend thirty five dollars on the one. One space marine. Yep. And I'm like, really? You're gonna you're nickel and dime me, a guy who's you know who's here's trying to struggle to make it to bring a product to market, but a billion dollar company, you're gonna give them your thirty five bucks, no questions asked. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, I find it. Uh, um, yeah. So what you so, told what you ahead. what you told me at Adepticon that blew my mind that you should put on like every sales flyer is the fact that, that it floats. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the really funny thing was uh, the Warlord guys bought some for their they um the Warlord demo team. They go around to all the different conventions, and they were in Kansas City, and the AC went out at one of the convention halls. So they went out to the pool, and they took the table topper, and they continued to play the game in the pool uh, on the table topper because it floated. Yeah. So all summer long, you could be out in the pool just chilling, playing your game. Yeah. <laughs> And if it's an animal game, even better. You know, it's even more thematic, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, I, got, I got a picture of that of that up on the website. In fact, of them out there, uh, John Russell and the boys out there playing. Yeah, and uh, and a lot of people buy our miniatures to play. You know, bolt action with. We do custom armies, so a lot of people send us their custom army list for Chain of Command, for uh, Blitzkrieg, and for uh, bolt action, and of course, Conflict Forty Seven. You know, and uh, I think Warlords pretty much abandoned that IP, but we have um, we've kind of filled in that gap by continuing to release new models like the the ball tank and, and battle suits and different things that we have coming up. Um, so we 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 try to uh, at least every couple of months release something new for people, you know, to be able to you know to get into and, and to keep. You know, it's um uh it's it. It's hard to keep up because there's this whole big pull to go into um, to go into sci-fi, which we always wanted to do. But you know, just keeping up with World War One and World War Two new releases, you know, is, is pretty daunting. But we have a um, a new game that we're going to be bringing to Kickstarter called Crystalum, which is a uh, 15 millimeter sci-fi game. And I put the pause on it last month because of the fact that um, the Russia invaded Ukraine, and that was the same premise of our game, is that we had a neo-Soviet faction rise up in Russia and move west across um, Europe. And I was like, ooh, that's a little bit too close to home right now. So we're going to wait for things to settle down. But now I think that, you know, as people have been able to wrap their minds around what's going on, I think we're able to release the game, which has been three years in development, because we can't just sit on it because we've paid – artists and we paid for sculptors and and everything you know so we have to you know recoup our 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 expenses back and i think the good way to do that is is through uh kickstarter as long as you don't end up doing what ak did i think you'll be fine (laughs) yeah no no none of that none of that no for us again it's it's a neo-soviet faction which is probably you know it's become almost a staple of of sci-fi you know uh, uh stories uh near future stories 
you know, I didn't realize it was going to play out right at the time that we released. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we yeah. started to do promotions, <laughs> you know, that it was going to play out in real life. But I think that people, the gamers can differentiate between fantasy and reality and realize that, you know, we're not trying to capitalize on the conflict that happened. It, this game has been three years in development. It's just bad timing right. on Putin's part. I can't believe he read our rule book and decided to actually act on it as a battle plan. <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh man if the, not to get into politics about it but if if their game plays the way he's playing it it's not gonna end well <laughs> yeah it's not gonna yeah. no they're way they're way cooler in our game than they are in real life yeah. they're way pretty cooler and and the miniatures as you saw at a, at, a, at a Depticon, you know we put a lot of time and effort into making sure our miniatures are are quality you know that I, the sculpts are, are are there i own some of your miniatures i bought that blind box um and i put oh, the, you I, bought the mystery box yeah. yeah i bought the mystery box so i have some uh i have a german panzer ii tank that is actually primed i'm just got to paint it up now um i have early I think, war german um i think i i think i have a, a japanese mortar team i think came in the box mm -hmm. and something else there's like three things. Um, I, I still have the box. So <laughs> the tank was the, the thing I was interested in. And I was like, oh, this is a great way to kind of get a blind into like yeah, historical miniatures. Army. Yeah. yeah. So because I, I wasn't specific, like I, on the website, you can choose if you want a specific faction and stuff like that. I said, just give it to me blind. Right. Just give it to me blind because I have nothing. So I just kind of want to see what these look like. So uh, right. they're very well made well, were miniatures. Happy, were you happy so. with the sculpts? I was, I was, I only had it. I only had one issue with the tank, which was solved. So I was missing a piece. <laughs> that, that was it. Okay. Yeah, it was yeah. that machine gun. That machine gun was so small. Yeah, I was like, I'm like, how am I missing that? Like, because <laughs> I was looking at it. Like, I even sent it to um, Captain Samuel. Uh, was it Samuel? Yeah, whatever Captain it was. Sam. Yeah, I sent it to him, and he was like, "Yeah, you're missing a piece." And I was like, "I, I, I knew something was wrong. I just couldn't figure out what was wrong. Like, where do this? Where's yeah, all this stuff?" That piece is so small. <laughs> it's so small. It's easy. It's easy to miss. Like it, when you open the back, it could fall out, and you'd never even notice it. Yeah, I'm. I'm probably that's what happened because, like, I, I literally, I spread out all the small parts on like my my cutting mat, and I was like. It's just some some doesn't feel right. <laughs> Something doesn't feel right. Yeah, that's why. So. Yeah, that's why I'm looking to go to the Silecast Classic because a lot of those smaller pieces we can mold into the frames because then they're lightweight and I don't have to worry about them breaking off. You know. Right. So yeah. if you notice, a lot of our smaller pieces are done in metal because you want them to be durable. Right. Than if they were in resin, and resin they would snap or break. But in metal, you know, they're a little bit more durable. So having that kind of flexibility is something that we're looking forward to because we're always trying to improve the quality of our product. Because like I said, we're gamers too. You know, we know the struggles that that, that you run across. Right. You know, and we and we want to make sure that that people, you know, when they buy our products, that they have a satisfying time with it. You know, um, even just you, you know, and there's tons of tutorials out there about how to paint, so we don't have to do any kind of painting tutorials. So you can <laughs> go on YouTube and, and there's a dime a dozen, right? So yeah. you know, you know, pick the one you you like and and go for it. But we want to make sure that the sculpts are are quality and that they have a little bit of, especially our tanks and stuff, have a little bit of weight on the table. Because a lot of times we use the Rubicon um, uh, models, and some of their models are super super light and they get moved, you know, they get nudged very very easy. But with our resin models, you know, and with having metal tracks on them, it gives them a little bit more oomph on on the table. Oh yeah, that thing definitely it 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 feels like a heavy piece like it's i haven't worked with like pewter in a really really long time like mm -hmm. really long time 
So to actually see it and actually like put it together, it was nostalgic for me. And that weight, like you mm. just know, like <laughs> you know, you have that model. <laughs> yeah, when when it is on the table, you will, and it's and it's not going. You're not going to nudge it by trying to measure, you know, the distance, right? Right. So I've seen that happen with the dust models because they're really light plastic, even though they're big models. I've seen people just put the tape measure against it and nudge it over. You know, I'm like, oh, that's not good. Yeah. Or when you're playing X Wing and you're trying to get the measuring stick and the base keeps inching across the table. Yeah. You know, and that's the game where, where inches matter. You know, you want that kind of weight to it. And I, I got to the point in X Wing where I started putting washers on the bottom of my bases to keep them from, from sliding across, you know, I always giving uh, them more weight to keep them from moving when you when people are nudging them. Yeah, for X Wing I always used to do the finger trick. So like I would put my finger on the base and then I would put the measuring stick down. Like <laughs> that's, that's, that, that's how yeah. I would always do it. And uh, but no, I understand because like it all it takes is that one little push, and the next thing you know, it's rolling over like a couple inches, and you're like, "Where was yeah. this?" And yeah, then, or, <laughs> yeah, or three turns in. Now you've moved, you know each little nudge may not be enough, but a cumulative effect. I mean, now you're uh, half an inch over where you want to be at. Right, exactly. You know, and, then, yeah. and then you're on an asteroid or you're in somebody's firing arc. Or yeah, or mm-hmm. or you have your opponent yelling at you, calling over a judge because you accidentally nudged it in the middle of a tournament. So there it is. There it is right there. Yeah. <laughs> so all all of those issues um we try to avoid by, by giving our larger miniatures uh some weight where where it matters. And um and and I think, like I said, the, the detail on our on our pewter infantry, you know, it's second to none. You know, have a lot of character to them. And like I said, we're coming out with a lot of hero units, you know, to give people yeah. something to work with. And we put up stat cards and stuff for free. You know, a lot of times we include them, you know, in our mystery boxes and our and we're going to be putting together starter sets because that seemed to be the big thing at Adepticon this year is that everybody bought their single player starters. You know, they want the new gamer. I think the new generation of gamers they want everything in a box, right? Yep. When you go to buy Battletech, I want my clan, I want my rule book, I want my dice, and I want to, you know, be left alone, right? Yep. Everything uh, I need want to, to start. Have to hunt for each individual mech that they they want, right? They buy the clan box, and and I okay. I noticed that Mantic did that, um, and I think a lot of people are trained by the Games Workshop uh, Get Started kits, right? You know. So um, I Games think a Works- lot of these people who get into miniatures game and get in through Warhammer. Yeah, the game the Games Workshop model I don't think is the correct way though. Because um, Privateer Press was doing it for a while with their starter boxes where here's your starter battle group and here's all the cards you need. Mm-hmm. And then you bought the rule book or whatever it was, like your normal right. rule book. What, you're, what I'm starting to see now is that base rules for games are becoming free and then you're getting stuff in your quote-unquote starter boxes for your faction. So... Um, I think what a lot of people are want to dive into, they don't want to... Like my, a Marvel Crisis Protocol you have your favorite characters, but you don't have your rules. So like, I like you can buy your characters and be like, I have no idea how to play with these. They're now they're just painted miniatures that I'm going to put up on a shelf. So I think for people to get into a game, they want that starter, that starter set that has everything that they would need. So they're not spending more money. Like it's, I'm not saying they're cheaping out because the, the price of the starter could be the price of the, you know, the exact price of everything you'd be buying separate, but it's all in yeah. one spot, so they're not looking at multiple areas, and everything's right, right. there in front of them. Yeah. Right, and I, I think you're I think you're right on that because we have a um, like our beta rules are still up online for free. The, those part of our Facebook group, so you can download it. You know, there are some typos and stuff in it, and there's some things that we changed for the regular rules when we codified it and published. But you know, basically, you can play the game for free, and then every um, 
game comes with a quick reference sheet. So all the tables that you need, all the weapons and damage tables and stuff. But then for free, you can go to Easy Army Builder, build your army and start playing based on points. You know, so we have a guards easy army builder where you can go in and say, okay, I want to play you. We're going to play a 500 point game. You know, I create my army. Here's my 500 points. I send, I download the PDF, send it to you. You send me your list. And now when we get together and play, I know exactly what I'm playing against. Right. You know, and, uh, and I think t- for me, that was an easier way to do it. And it allows people to be creative because if you bring a privateer press war jack in, and then I bring an armature, war, you know, miniature from, games workshop you know they're already statted out the model is just representing what that what that miniature is right right yeah so so you can play the game miniature agnostic you know how you paint it up and kit it out and customize it um it's entirely up to you so you can get a really nice themed army because the rules are miniatures agnostic unlike games workshop where each miniature is tied to very specific rules um, for us, you know, it allows people to kit bash, it allows people to customize, it allows people to put miniatures on the table that they do that they don't normally use, you know. So, so when you play guards, you know, you can, uh, uh, you know, you can play with with the miniatures you have, or you can theme it like we did. We themed a World War One army, we themed a World War Two army. You can theme a sci-fi army. You know, uh, the guard system just allows you to do all that. As a matter of fact, one of the games that we played at the Decepticon was Attack of the Duplicate People. Because I had all of those, I had all of those kids um, uh, pre-painted uh, uh, Star Wars miniatures from back in the day, and I just brought those out and and played with it with the Star Wars terrain, you know, um, because I was going to do a a Legion one, but it, it, the miniatures were huge. I was going to have to pack so much stuff in order to bring it, right? Yeah. You know, to bring the amount of miniatures I could bring in this, and if kids wanted to come and play, they could throw them on the ground, and I, I wouldn't have to worry about it. Right. <laughs> you know, because a lot of people walked through with their families, and you know, people were grabbing stuff. I had a lady break the the wheels on an armored car because she goes, "No, I want the armored car to go here," and she smushed it on the table like it was a Hot Wheel. Oh and, no! Uh, and, and broke the wheels <laughs> off of it. I'm like, really, lady? What's wrong with you? You know, she, you know her yeah. son was playing the game, and she was like playing over his shoulder. She was being a helicopter mom. Oh yeah, you know, that's the, right, right that was the one it. thing I was worried about with my son because I was like, he's gonna see something, and he's just gonna grab it, and I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> like don't yeah. touch anything. <laughs> and, yeah, so when we set up these demo games, these open demos, um, people, you know, people can touch it. I mean, our miniatures, if it's just infantry on the table, they're they're mm-hmm. metal. You know, our our tanks are resin. But when we were playing Star Wars, you know, I, I had geared it so that you know you can sit down, you know, mom, dad, you know, and the kids, and and just play. You know, and, what, and without having to worry about breaking anything. And um, and that was one of the things I do by just using teaching games. I want stuff that's durable where I'm, where it's not so precious and I have to worry about mainly, uh, breaking it. Because some of those armies that were painted as a depth were absolutely gorgeous. gorgeous. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> you know? There's a lot of good stuff there this year. I was like, holy cow. Like, I'm in the wrong area. Gorgeous armies. <laughs> gorgeous armies. I'm like, how do you put this on the table and play with it? Yeah. This is so beautiful. <laughs> You know, I get that a lot yeah. too with my miniatures because I'm just like, but then like I don't let I don't let other I don't like other people touching my stuff, especially when they don't ask. So I'm very defensive yeah. over my stuff, and I'm just like, no, no. If anybody's gonna mess these up, it's gonna be me. Like, <laughs> yeah, even even, even even when taking pictures, I asked, like, is it okay if I take a picture of this? And then it was like, oh no, please don't take a picture of my beautiful army laid out on the table and display. Yeah. <laughs> you know, being really sarcastic about it. It's like, of course you can take pictures. That's what it's here. I didn't spend all these army uh, hours painting this for nobody not to see it. 
yeah, you know, it's, spread, it's, the, spread it far and wide. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's the spirit. Yeah. But to your point, yeah, there's, and I think there's a lot of like unwritten rules that gamers have or gamers etiquette. You could do a whole podcast on that. Like, oh my God. Don't yeah, I without asking for it, you know, <laughs> yeah. about reserving tables, you know, that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, for sure. And luckily this year, every everybody's hygiene was up to par. I didn't get any. There was no stinky elevators this year. I was so happy about that. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. I I have to. I was about to say. I'm like, oh, we were all masked, and I was like, wait a minute, I didn't wear a mask. I was vaccinated. Yeah. I was like, hmm. Yeah. I'm, I, you're right. I, you are right. I did not smell a crowd in there. <laughs> yeah, because in years past, I mean, you could smell some people. I was like, yeah. yeah, you stayed up all night painting and then came straight here to play and did not hit, hit the shower once in the last three days. I showed I showed my <laughs> I showed my wife the picture of the uh, line to check in, and I was like, oh, that line is oh. insane. And the, her first words were, "I can smell that picture." <laughs> <laughs> Man, I was like, punk. oh no. <laughs> No, no. She's uh she's the one hundred percent exact opposite of me. <laughs> okay. You have a balance. You have a balance. There's yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Opposite yeah. the track. I, I show yeah. her my miniatures well, and she's like, What am I looking at? I'm like the paint. Just just look at the paint. <laughs> you know you know what you ought to do? You ought to do a TikTok of having your hold up a miniature and have your wife guess what it is. Oh yeah, like oh, how to yeah. describe it. <laughs> like name name the miniature. Like what is like yeah, the name with the miniature. sports teams? <laughs> what does this miniature do? Yeah. Oh man, yeah. I'll have to talk her like, to that one. I don't think she'll do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like describe the world that the miniature lives in, right? Describe it to her. You know, give her the lore, and then say, now in this world, what does this miniature do? <laughs> what do you think he does? Oh man, that could be like a whole series. <laughs> I think you should do it. I think that would be perfect. Because since she doesn't play, she's the exact opposite. I'm just curious to hear what she thinks you're doing. Uh, she thinks it's a waste of space. And every time I add a new uh, display cabinet, she gets mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my world. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, you, Won't need to- you come on in. Let me open up this display case for you, everybody. I keep uh, I keep adding display cases in like the main living area because eventually yep. they're going to be in the basement and um, I'm trying to do it so she finally like lets me work on the basement because lately I've been doing other stuff like land the landscaping and right. other stuff in the house and I'm just like maybe if I force the subject by adding more crap in the family area she'll just be like just get it done get in the basement <laughs> yeah get the, out of the living room or she just slowly becoming a uh, assimilated to it. Right, like, yeah. yeah. She'd, she'd become immune. I even put I even put my new computer in the same area, like on the opposite side of where my display cabinets are. So, <clears throat> oh, sorry. Yeah, that's that, that's interesting, man. That's interesting to see what somebody who is not into the hobby what is it, what what does it look from an outsider's eyes? You know, because I've been in it so long that it doesn't even phase me anymore. Yeah. You need to get rid of some of this stuff. You're not even doing anything with it. Like that's basically what I get now. <laughs> is that what it is? My pile of shame is you need to sell some of this stuff. <laughs> and it just keeps getting bigger and yeah, bigger. Exactly. That's why I have a room dedicated to it now. <laughs> well, here's how you don't have historicals. What I did for me, I had historicals and I had sci-fi, but I didn't do any fantasy, right? Because I knew that 
space was going to be an issue. And if I got into fantasy, then it would just been a whole, you know, another level of, of clutter. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and not that I don't like fantasy. It's just that it became a space issue, you know? Yeah. I'm at the point now where I'm about to take my X-wing stuff and just mm-hmm. make little dog fights across my ceiling just to get them off of a shelf so I have more room to put stuff on. On the shelf? Yeah. <laughs> Make dioramas on your ceiling. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's like, oh, that's a cool idea. I'm like, yeah, until you realize, like, how actually, like, the reason behind it is. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, I created a, using um, Fishing Line, I created a diorama with a Millennium Falcon, a TIE Fighter, and X-Wing above the sales kiosk at my local game store for X-Wing when it, when, when, uh, when yeah. it first came out. That's exactly what yeah, I was thinking tied, of doing I, too. <laughs> yeah, and tied it to some fishing line, you know, and hung it hung it from the from the store ceiling. So when you walked in you had a little looked like they were dog fighting. Yeah. <laughs> that that was the but, goal. Yeah. But my wife would be like, What are you doing? I so I bought that I don't know if you saw that TikTok. I bought that that big Millennium Falcon, the UCS Lego Millennium Falcon. Oh no. Yeah, and I have nowhere to put it. So I haven't started building it yet. <laughs> Well, you know that Hasbro made a two foot, a, a one forty eight scale one, right? No, I didn't know that. They made, yeah, they made a two foot long one, and I think I saw it. At, this is before Toys R Us closed, and it was fifty dollars or something like that, or maybe a hundred dollars. I don't know, oh, but no. it was like it was within my my price range. It was something I could have bought. But my point was, where would I put it? And if I used it as a display on the table, it would take up the entire table. Right. Yeah. So on a six foot <laughs> table, it was two feet long. Yeah, so um, my wife's been One staring at the... One was just, you know, beyond. Yeah, my wife's been staring at that box because it's kind of just been chilling out in the open. <laughs> She's like, where are you going to put that? Like, every time she notices it. And I was like, yeah, I don't know yet. I don't even have a shelf to put it on right now, <laughs> so... Yeah, tell her, tell her, tell her it's, it's a father-son project. It's, oh, it's yeah. bonding. Yeah, bonding. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, all well, right. I got brought I got into it because me and my dad, we built... um. Model uh, World War II airplanes uh, back when I was we, every Thursday we'd meet up at, after dinner, you know we clear off the kitchen table and we open up a box and we start putting together a model and that was what we did together. Yeah, I messed you know? that I messed that hobby up for my oldest, so I'm gonna try again with my youngest. But my oldest, I got uh, I was trying to get him into it into like the gaming part of it, and I mm-hmm. screwed up because I immediately went to you're not playing unless it's painted. Oh, no. So I kind of forced him. And, yeah, I, I screwed that up, and I was still young and dumb at the time. So he's 15 now, and now would be the perfect opportunity to play with him. And he does play, like, Kill Team, and he'll do some smaller skirmish games with me, but he's not into, like, 40K and stuff like that. So it's 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 hard to get him into that, like, into the hobby. Do you now. have a genre that he likes? Uh, video games. <laughs> Well, again, okay, here we go. What type of video games? Well, like Fortnite, the first-person shooters and stuff like that. Because I was thinking if you had, like, some games by, like, Wild in the Streets and stuff like that by Slow Death Games, because they have some more contemporary games. Or even if you use guards and just said, hey, here's five sci-fi guys, and then here's five sci-fi, and you just shot each other over terrain. Yeah, I mean, that's something that would yeah. be really easy the, to do. The skirmish and games, you can play he, it in a half an hour. Yeah, the skirmish games. Yeah. yeah, he really loves the skirmish games because like they're quick like that, and like he, man, I don't know what happens, but like I help him build his lists, and he always beats me, and I'm like, what the heck is going on? Like I've been playing this game longer than you. Why are you beating me? Like, <laughs> he's a strategic thinker. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if you think about it, younger people, 
because they've been brought up on video games is that they have a shorter attention span, right? So they're not going to sit there and play a game from 12 to 6, like, you know, a 3,000.40K game, you know? But they will play, you know, a smaller... 20-minute game. Yeah. Yeah, 20-minute, 30-minute game. Yeah. You know, because that's how... It holds their attention that way. And, and, and video games has trained them that way. You know, that you get it on the video game and you play it, you know, but it's, 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 it's that rush of dopamine, instantaneous satisfaction, you know, satisfaction. And for us, you get it from rolling the dice, you yeah. know, from the result of the dice you know yep very much so we're seeing my opponent's expression when you do something where he's like oh i didn't think of that like <laughs> and you're like yeah, haha yeah. i got you <laughs> right yeah and so maybe that's you know that's one way to to ease him into it because i think by by you turning him off by not having the pain you gotta remember kids under yeah. 15 usually don't have that much dexterity well, he was fine. Like he, that's originally what he wanted to do. Even my youngest now, he wants to be like, I want to paint. I want to paint because he sees me painting. So mm-hmm. I, I was trying to teach my younger son when he was nine, like how to like paint, like how to actually like yeah. teach him the techniques and stuff. And I got to the point where like, I'm that dad, like at the sports games where it's just like, I'm like, you know, throw the ball, do this, do that. Like I'm that loud. Yeah. yeah. I'm like that over like overachiever yeah type of person it's like i know you can do it like i i want to see you do it and i think i turned him off because i was just too overbearing at that point too much pressure yeah too much pressure at that age yeah Yeah, so and something that should be fun it shouldn't be a competition exactly have you seen duckton Rhodes' first miniature he painted no (laughs) oh my god it looks like he painted it with testers enamel and a and a and a eyeline brush Uh, i'm not telling you my first miniatures were not great either but for some reason like i like that was the other thing too even my oldest when he was playing sports and stuff like i knew where i was like as a sports thing and i wanted to see him better than me right like that was just how my mentality was so like i guess there was kind of a little bit of pressure because it's like i didn't start painting until i was older but i was like if you're younger and I can teach you all this stuff, you can be way better than me. Like you, you can surpass me and stuff like that. The point, the point is to enjoy it with them. Right. Right. And that's like, that's why I said, like, I realize that now that I'm older and I've ruined the hobby for him, but now it's like, how do I get, like, how do I, like, like now I'm like, I got to at 15, you have a second bite of that apple, man. Right. You have a second bite of that apple, but you got to take the pressure off. Right. You have to, you have to find out what do you, what do you, what does he enjoy about the hobby? You know, right. just like every gamer. I mean, the reason that we set up, like I tell people, you know, people like, well, there's nobody in my area that plays guards. I'm like, well, take two armies down to the store, set up a little table, you know, tell them, looking, you know, put a little sign up saying looking for players and then just introduce people to the game. No pressure. Right. Exactly. You, know, you have to you have to be a, a champion for the hobby. You have to be that hobby hero that you want to see, because if I walk into a because like, this is what happened to me when I was young, there was a place called Mock Kit Shop. And then my dad used to buy our models from. And then I went in there one day and the guys were playing Warhammer 40K and they were overly aggressive and they were all the things that you didn't want gamers to be, you know. And uh, and there was another guy that was playing historicals and he was playing a Cold War era guy and he was, you know, waiting for somebody to come and play with him. And I'm like, well, I have some time, you know, uh, you know, I know I asked him about the models. I asked him particularly about the miniatures. I'm like, what's that called? He goes, oh, that's a Russian uh, BMP. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And it was like a 20 millimeter game. Maybe it was 15. I'm not sure. But he, you know, he said, here, you know, you want to learn how to play? I'm like, wow, yeah. And so he said, this is what you need to do. And you're going to play the Russians and I'll play the Americans. And your job is to get from this side of the road to that side of the road. And he had a hill set up and everything. He had like a, a, 
one of those uh, uh, felt mats that were like grass and he had the rose, yeah. <laughs> you know, made out of whatever it was made out of over it. And he just put something underneath it. So it undulated. So you had blocking line of sight naturally. And, uh, and then when my BMP got over the top and I rolled like two sixes in a row and I blew up his tank, I was hooked. Yeah. <laughs> I was hooked after that. I was like, I, you know, he's like, okay, you got a rolled. Can you see me? Can you see line of sight? And I'm like, yeah. And he measured. He goes, okay, you're at medium distance. You need to roll a six to hit. And I rolled a six. And he goes, okay, now roll on the damage chart. And I rolled another six. And he goes, okay, you destroyed my tank. And I was like, yeah, victory. <laughs> Take that. I mean, it was all I needed. But I was hooked after that. I was like, yes, I will play this game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, thing, and, and that's yeah. what you have to do. You have to figure out what people like, you know, or if you like it, find other people who like it also so that you can play together. You know, the worst thing you want to do is try to force somebody into doing something. Yeah. And even, and even yeah. with painting uh, with kids, eventually, you know, they'll find their way. You know, it's, 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 it's that 10,000 hours thing, right? Yep. You know, I, you took, to I took 10, away 10,000 hours doing something to become really good at it. And I took away the you can't requirements. Expect that to happen in the first two hours. Yeah. I took away the requirements that like I had for him to play. I was just like, all right, so what do you want? To, like I go, what do you want to play? Like, what, what are you interested in? And he's like, we got him ad mech. So he had an ad mech for the longest time. And he's like, I want, like, you know, I, I want one of those jets, like the ornithopter looking things. So I got him an ornithopter thing. And then I was like, he's like, I, I want a knight. So I bought him a knight. And he built the ornithopter thing by himself. And then I made the mistake of coming home after he had built it because he built it without any, without any assistance. Like he, he just needed some yeah. help attaching like one of the fins, whatever. And I was like, yeah. all right, cool. Like, I can help you with that. And I cleaned up the nubs and stuff. And then I got home and I looked at it and I called him down the stairs and I was like, hey, how do you expect to paint the guy in the cockpit? Because he glued the cockpit down, the clear cockpit. Right. He glued it down. And he's right. just like, oh. And I was like, no, it's fine. I've done it like a million times. We'll just paint it. I'll just paint it a different way. It's fine. <laughs> like, yeah. You, to, you know, but that, yeah, like, that's <laughs> an opportunity to teach him about subassemblies, right? Right. Yeah. There's a, exactly. there's a great opportunity to teach about subassemblies. So, yeah. But I've, take, I've taken away the, um, I, I've just Pressure. gone to, what do you want to play? And, and then I go, okay. And then I'll buy it and then I'll build it for him and I'll paint it like when I get around to painting it type thing. So I've taken away mm -hmm. all of the pressure of even building and painting at that point. All he has to do is play and, like, right. learn the rules. So, he's And then like, basically he'll get around to, like, wanting to build his own stuff and, you right. know, as he gets more curious and into it. And I think taking that pressure off allows him to enjoy the game more, don't you think? Yes. Yeah. And like, especially the skirmish stuff because, like, as, and he gets to see the stuff painted because, like I said, like, I've painted the stuff for him so he gets mm -hmm. to see it painted he gets to see he, all he has to do is roll the dice move the miniatures he doesn't have to think about any other thing but the game itself so the other aspects of the hobby have been completely removed from him i mean right not removed but distracted away so he doesn't have to think about them so yeah 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 well again until you can get back into the enjoyment of it because you scarred him emotionally for life yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> That's what you could do, thanks. right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. And, 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 and what you're doing is you're building up the fundamentals of how to start a good hobby experience for people, right? Yeah. How, how, do, how do you get people, how do you get people an on-ramp into the hobby without them being the gragnards that turned you off to historicals, right? Or the people who turned me off to 40K back in, you know, second edition. Yeah. You know, so, you know right. because they were just so hardcore about 
how they would play. And then when I got, I think eighth edition was the first time I read one of the rule books and it said, there's a thousand space marine chapters, make one your own. Oh like, my what? God. Yeah. What the fuck you guys have been doing this whole time? I mean, I can make my own chapter. I can just make up my own shit. They're like, yeah. I'm like, eight years you guys have been playing here, and you have never once said that. You play Dark Angels, you or you play Blood Angels, you play Space Wolves, you play Ultramarine, <laughs> and you play Chaos. And for eight years, that's all you freaking played. And God forbid this poor kid came in and started playing Tau, and y'all harangued him to death. <laughs> You know, or, or the guy who came in with the five, like he had literally like these um, military lockers full of Imperial Guard tanks and stuff. Yeah. You know, he would bring in like three like foot lockers with all his miniatures in them. I'm like, Jesus, I'm like, that's a commitment to an army, dude. <laughs> you know, because it was beautiful, but man, he had way more. I mean, just, you know, wyverns and griffins and 10 chimeras and nine Lehman Russ and you know, all the different variants and just, you know, not to mention the, the buttload of, uh, of, uh, of infantry. I think he said he had enough to play, uh, was it an apocalypse game? Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like 4,000 points or something crazy like that. Apocalypse used to be anything over 2000, but like when they put out the official apocalypse rules, it was like a minimum Mm -hmm. of 3000 because you needed to fit in like your giant Titans. So, yeah. So that's what he had. So he had the Bane blade, all the every piece of armor any imperial guard unit would have he had it and then he had a case that was just like three layers deep of of infantry yeah that guy was just showing off we used to have a guy at my shop like that too he'd he'd bring his whole collection and then open up the case and just start pulling stuff out and you're like yeah you're just showing off man all right (laughs) like we get it (laughs) this way you just throw it off but yeah i mean I, i had nothing against him i was just like i don't know if i could make that kind of commitment to an army Right, you know, yeah. and like I said, the guys that I was playing with, they were the guys at the store that I had, they were trying to get me into it for eight years. You know, they were, you know, they had been playing for 20 at least, you know, since, since the nineties, you know, yep. and, uh, and, and they were just very rigid about how they played and they only played with, you know, codex armies, you know, and like I said, the, I, I remember by heart, it was, it was blood angels, uh, <laughs> space wolves, space Marines, you know, whatever the chaos guy was at the time. Chaos Undivided. Oh, and then, then when Nurgle came out, oh my God, he he about, you know, jeez, <laughs> like, dude, calm down, calm yeah. down. <laughs> <laughs> he was so excited. It was orgasmic for him. But uh, but yeah, they were really hardcore about it. But if they had been more open to new yeah. people coming in and playing and getting into it, and not so hardcore about everything, the game would have been a lot more fun. Number one. Yep. Because by the time I bought my army and painted it, the rules had already changed. So everything I read was already obsolete, you know, and that's what really uh, yeah. frustrated me about 40K is that I, I love the models, but that rule system is just out the window. And I was and me and um, the guy who does the one page rules, we started at the same time, except he went straight after 40K. And I took a detour into World War One and World War Two. But I have stats for a space Marine army and for an Imperial guard army. And I was going to do Eldar next uh, the one I'm working on, Nice, but I have analogs for all that in the guard system. So if you want to play with your 40 K models, this is how you play with them. That's awesome. And, th- and that's all for free. Yeah. And that's all for free. So if people want to use the, if people want to use guards, our guards rule system and play 40 K, you know, it just takes a while because there's so many damn miniatures in 40 K, you know, and to do one-to-one, you know, analogs, is, it's, it's going to take a while. All right, you know. so one last heavy question before we get into sure. plugging your website and all that other stuff. 
Hold on a second. I got to see. It kind of ties back into what we what we've been talking about with like the historical gaming and stuff like that. So sure. what, what turned me away from historical gaming for the most part was to a couple of things. One, you had the people that were like the buttons, you know, they'd argue about like wooden metal buttons, yeah. like your army wasn't yeah. paid in the correct way, like those type of people. And then the other side was like the actual like racist side of historical gaming. And sure. it's yeah. that's what I've talked about in a couple of podcasts of you have at least in war gaming, not so like it's starting to see it in 40k kind of now, but historical gaming kind of kind of seeing it. A guy showed up in full Nazi regalia. Right. <laughs> right, know? right. But the, <laughs> neo Nazi so, regalia, I should say. True. Yeah, at the Spanish thing, but it's, Spanish it's, thing, it's yeah. more common to see it in the historical gaming side than it is on the 40k side at least from what i've noticed like recently Um, why do you think that is because of world war ii and the historical (laughs) the the historical stuff yeah do you think it's because they hide behind oh i just created a german army and the swastikas are just what they had historically i want to make it historically accurate right 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 exactly but they have five German armies and no American armies. And they don't know anything about any of the American armies that fought like my grandfather's unit, the 761st tank battalion, right? The original black Panthers or Buffalo soldiers, you know, they don't, they know anything about them, but they can tell you about everything about the Wehrmacht and the Waffen SS and right. every, you know, Fallschirmjäger, you know, battalion they ever fielded, you know, and they have more miniatures than the, than the German army had during, <laughs> during world war two. Right. Right. So here's, so here's my yeah. question because I, we haven't I haven't even mentioned it yet that you were the mm-hmm. first African American manufacturer of historical gamings in the United States. So you told me that I actually I was like really and then I like when you look at it you're like yeah you hundred percent. So the the question did you go to I did yeah I did and so my question is is that have has it affected you or have people come at you in that kind of like i guess like have you have you been people, i don't want to say victim i, had, I don't want to say in, victim, in my lifetime but... i had people not play with me and sex and i've seen sexism and racism right right so right. i had um a father come into one of our events uh and he had two girls and they played a finnish army and an italian army mm-hmm. against a british and an american army and the guy was an older guy he was maybe in his 30s or 40s and the other guy they were playing against that I thought he was going to hit on him, or he thought he was going to hit him, was like 16, 17, right? So they're sitting there, they're playing. The two girls are strategizing and working together to achieve the objective of the game. Right. And he's just like, well, I got all the big tanks. I got the American troops, and they're so much better, and they're just going to steamroll over them. And the girls blew their tanks out of the water because the guys made the mistake <laughs> that you always make when you first start playing. You always right. They move the tanks first, right? They always want to play with the tanks first. And so, but they move their infantry into position and then move their armor up second. So when the guy went to shoot at their infantry, he left his tank exposed. They blew up his tank, and so he started to lose the game. So it was a six-turn game, and on the fifth turn, when he realized that he couldn't win, he got up and walked out of the table. I've never had that happen when two guys were playing against each other. Wow. Right? It happened because it was two girls, and he was being beat, and his ego was being bruised because he was a historical gamer, right. and he knew what, the, you know, what everything was, you know, and they were playing a game <laughs> to win. Right? Right? And, and that would never have happened if it was two guys playing against each other. And one of our rules at our, at our, at our, at our events is at the end of the game, win or lose or draw, 
you shake hands and, and, and you go about your way. Right. But he right. left on turn five, just got it from the table and walked away. Yeah. You know, so I, I think I've seen that happen in a very sexist way, you know, uh, and why, why aren't more women into historical game? Well, because you guys treat people like shit. That's why. Right. Yeah. And the other one is, is that people won't play me or like, you know, or ignore me is another one is another one I get where I, I walk over and they're like, what is he doing here? Why is he looking at us? You know, not realizing that I own a minister's company and I make, right. yeah. you know, every, you know, I make it all right. And the reason that my minister's company is different is I also make African-American troops. I make uh, female troops, right? I make female hero units because women were involved in a lot like Hedy Lamar. You know, she was one of the, uh, the reason we have Bluetooth on our phones right now is because of her, you know, and, uh, and she invented a way for people for the Navy to radio control torpedoes into ships or into submarines. Right. right. With signal skip tracing. That was her invention. Right. And she's just erased. So in America, we have a big problem with erasing certain people from history and extolling other people. And that carries across in our mainstream culture. And what I'm trying to do is to allow people like myself. Luckily I was, involved with a group of people who were very inviting, who were very in, indulging for me as a young kid and got me into loving the hobby, you know, until right. a, a girl took interest in me and pulled me away from the hobby. But, <laughs> <laughs> but every weekend I was down at the hobby store playing D and D or playing, well, it was battle droids back then. Um, you know, I was playing some, some form of game, you know, and miniatures were my go-to because like I said, me and my dad put together planes. So I was used to models. I was used to putting together and painting miniatures, you know, it was right. the thing that I did, but you know, uh, and, until that time. And for me, uh, being able to say, Hey, what can I do to make the hobby broader, more open to more people? How can I get more people playing? It was simply by saying, okay, if you're an African, a young African-American kid, you're eight, nine, 10 years old. Well, here's the Buffalo soldiers here is, and you want to play world war two. Here is something you can play that represents you on the table. You don't have to play John Wayne. You don't have to play Audie Murphy. You don't have to play the 101st airborne, right? You can play something that represents your lineage and your heritage. Right. right. And if you want to, I mean, I trust me, I own three German armies. I own a late war here army. I own a false Jaeger army and I own, uh, 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 an early war army. So I have three German armies that I own and I play. I, I sell Adolf Hitler. I sell Armin Rommel, right? <laughs> so I, I want to have the full breadth and scope of it, all the warts and, 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 and all, right? right? Blisters, warts, and all of it. So but when, what, what these people do is, is that they cut out that part of it. They ignore right. that part of it. They ignore, like, people in the South who want to play the American Civil War all the time, right? Right. Why, yeah, exactly. why is that always a why? thing whenever I, I go, go down, go down South or people up North who want to play it all the time. Right. Why is that the only game they're into? Right. Cause they want to replay this war and have the South win, you know, but I, a guy approached me at, um, at Michigan Troy soldier about playing uh, ACW, they call it. And I said, well, can I do uh, an escaped slave army uh, rebellion on a plantation and play conversation immediately stopped. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Oh, if I didn't want to play blue versus gray, if I wanted to play a, a, an uprising of a slave army, they didn't want to. They didn't want to play that, right? Because they wanted to ignore that part of the American Civil War, which is the reason that the Civil War was fought, right? Right. Yeah. They, it's, <laughs> so it's about it's about their their heritage, but they don't they. 
man, yeah. I, I hate those people. <laughs> it's it's about yeah, my heritage, so, so, but, but, but those, we lost. They're, they're part of our society, and we can't let them dominate the right. hobby, right? Exactly. You know, we can't let them right. be be the default. This is what gamers are, because that's not. There's a much broader community, and and I know that um, even the game stores that I'm in, like some game stores, no women in them at all. Other ones are just full of women playing. Why is that? Because the store owners don't put up with shit from dudes. It's the culture, if you come in there yeah. and you harass a female client, they will kick your ass to the curb as soon as blink. So women feel safe going to the store and playing. Right. Whereas other stores where it's just a, you know, it's a bunch of guys sitting around playing 40K, ignoring customers to come in, you know, those stores usually don't stay open long. But um, we have um, one store in the Detroit area. It's owned by a woman. Her name is Pam. And you have a lot of gay people, a lot of women play there. Why? Because they feel safe there. Safe. They're not being harassed there. She does, She has zero tolerance for bullshit from people like that. Right. You know, and, you know, and so the, the clientele, I mean, the first time I saw a group of 10 black guys playing 40K, I, my jaw hit the ground, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah, because, <laughs> like, I, I was even thinking to myself, I'm like, I only, like, be, between you and, like, Lathan, like, I mm-hmm. honestly can't tell you any other African-American, like, war games players that I've played with. It's literally been, yeah. like, only, like, my closest, the closest people I know or, like, new people I've met that that are in it. And I'm just like, what is going, like, I don't, like, I don't know, I don't get it. And then I remember, like, that's why the question of historical gaming came up, because it's like, that's what pushed me away because I don't want to like, I don't want to hear that crap. So I'm like, I'm not going to play with you guys. Like yeah. last thing I need to do is flip a table and punch you in the middle of a game store because you're saying some right. stupid shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, and punching Nazis is fine. I, I don't mind punching Nazis. Right. You know, I punch a lot of Nazis in, in my youth, but I think a lot of them use the game as a way to hide their own bigotry. Right. right? You right. know, they use it as a, as an excuse as to justify something that's unjustifiable. Right. If you're playing with somebody and they have more than two or three German armies, you're playing with. Don't play with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I had literally had a guy argue with me about how unrealistic my game was because the cycle rate of an MG42 was was higher than what my game was allowing it to be. And I'm like, number one, you know way too much about an MG42, and this game does not take into account cycle rates of machine gun fire. It's, yeah. it's a game that's an abstraction, and we're rolling dice to achieve a result. I remember you, you know? telling me a story about uh, a guy that came after you because you didn't have swastikas on the painted tanks, and that's how they yeah, were. And I was just right. like, yeah. "What? No, why? Like, <laughs> why do you need it? <laughs> right? Uh, Iron Cross is just as good, <laughs> right? Right? And I, and, I, and I was telling him because, and I and I explained to him, you know, I, I took him at face value, and he was a historical guy. So I was like, okay, I'm going to tell you why. The reason why is because I played with Jewish people, right? I played with people whose grandparents were killed in nazi germany right so i don't put swastikas on my tanks because i want to play with them i want them to feel comfortable at the table i don't want them to be traumatized every time you know they sit down to play with me right you know and i have to play a a german army because they're playing another army right in in the game and um and the other one was the reason i don't put uh hammers and sickles on a lot of my stuff is because for the same reason i play with people who uh, uh 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 uh, a, a, a community of people who left the Soviet Union in, in the late 80s, you know, who were able to get away, and that's a, a thing for them. You know, I can put a red star on it, but I don't have a lot of hammers and sickles on things because because of what it because of what it represented Represents. to them. Yep. You know, under, living 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 under communist uh, Soviet Union. You know, 
Um, and I have friends that are from those back and I'm old enough to have friends that are from those backgrounds, you know, that lived those experiences or our family members that lived those experiences. And I want them to feel welcome when they sit down and play. So I, I try to minimize anything that's a barrier for people to come in and play. Cause you know what? I want more people at the table. I'm not trying to take away your seat at the table. What I'm trying to do is making the table bigger and add more chairs for more people to play. Yeah, and if you don't feel comfortable, that's on you. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and if you're mad because I don't have to watch tickets, then go fuck off. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. You know, but, but being, being the only African-American manufacturer of miniatures in the United States is, um, you know, I feel that I can bring a unique perspective and bring history that other people overlook because a lot of our stuff is coming out of Nottingham, England. And it's not the responsibility to do it. You know, this is something right. that I have the ability to do that I want to do. I have a really simple set of game rules. I have uh, a full line of miniatures, you know, of, of everyone, you know, and, uh, and I want everybody to feel uh, welcome and, and, and included. And I want games to be fun, even historical games. They don't have to be all crunchy and, and, and stuff. And there's people who want to play that way. Great play that way you have your group of people i mean i have a friend of mine that he buys stuff from me all the time but he only plays in the basement with a really small group of people because he has a really big house with a huge basement because he's an engineer he makes two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year so he can afford stuff like that right right but yeah. i want to be in a store around around people i don't want to be in a basement you know uh locked in with the same guy smoking cigars and drinking beer and telling the same stories <laughs> over and over about you the, know the good old, boy, the good old boys club <laughs> yeah I, I don't want to be the, in the good old boys club that's not that's yeah. not what i want to do and if he wants right. to do it great i have nothing against it but but i i want to introduce you know new people to the hobby and in fact i i um i was able to access a million dollar grant over the next five years oh, to wow. teach wargaming in schools as like an after school program but because I'm teaching about the Black Panthers and the Harlem Hellfighters, it's considered CRT and schools won't touch it. I can't get administrators oh. to touch it, you know, even though I'm bringing all the resources, you know. So the timing is really terrible that I have. I, I never thought I'd have a problem giving away a million dollars worth of product. I never thought I would have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, honestly, yeah. It's, what's it called? it's like it's weird because it's like people are afraid of learning about stuff that actually happened and and that's really what it comes down to and it just it's just it's weird that some people only want to stick to their one reality of what happened and ignore the other stuff that actually happened also like alongside it and it's just it's weird that's like that's the whole push away from yeah you want to play the american civil war but you don't want to acknowledge the fact that uh or the Revolutionary War, but you don't want to acknowledge the fact that we took the land from Indians, right? Right. From Native yeah. Americans. You know, you want to play the American Revolutionary War, but you want to talk about how George Washington was the richest slave owner in the colonies, the reason why he was president, right? You know, or that Thomas Jefferson had kids with a 16-year-old girl. Right. You know, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, these are real things. These, these are real history, but not teaching it isn't helping anybody. No, exactly. And it's uh, you, know, you want to talk about World War II, but you want to say we fight we fought Nazis with a segregated army, right? You had that all was the black units too is that I've been hearing lately, not lately, but in the last couple of years that they don't even want to teach that because of the all of like the the genocide that happened during World War II. Like they they don't want to talk about that part of it anymore. They don't want to like they were they're try, there's people that no. actively want to avoid the Holocaust and you're like you you can't do that. You can't. Like you, you literally yeah. cannot do that. 
So yeah, so 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 part of our group, rich guys who left some money and said, hey, if you can go out, start game clubs in these schools, get young people into playing historical gaming, here's the money to do it with. But it happened at the exact same time that all these nutbags ran for school boards and now they're saying you can't teach about black people because it makes white people, white kids feel uncomfortable. How? Uh, How is learning history (laughs) making anybody feel uncomfortable? They didn't do it. They didn't go out and beat slaves in the field. You know, right, they yeah. can go out and and and, and put somebody in the gas. I, I it just it makes no sense to me until you realize to your the point that you made is that they just don't want people to know it. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's really what it comes down to. So, uh, well, I hate to end on and that so, note, but I think that so, yeah, so yeah, so to your point, me being a company, I think I have a responsibility to keep the um to keep the idea of us. Um, playing a, a full spectrum of possibilities, right? Being able, if you're Asian, you know, here's the, you know, here's the, the Nisei unit. You know, if you are playing African-Americans, here's Buffalo Soldiers. You know, was it the four, was it the 412th Nisei unit? I mean, there's a really famous unit. I can remember what their name is. You said 412th? Yeah, I think it's the 412th. Infantry Battalion. Mm, I can look it up. Mm. Um, that 413th, is that the one you're talking about? Yeah. Is it? Hold on. <laughs> Infantry. Because I keep confusing it with the, because I think they named one of the clone armies after it. I typed in 412th and 413th came up. I don't know what they came up. Yeah. Yeah, the 413th Regiment. 413th is Regiment of the United States Reserve says 1921. No, no. So let me just take out 413th. But I think it's important that everybody should be able to to play. Right. No, I agree. Four 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 two, the four forty second regiment combat team. They had they had the most medals of any unit that fought in World War Two. Hardly ever hear about them. Right. Hardly ever hear about them. But you know, those were the guys that um, uh, their motto was was going for broke, right? And you know, these are people who I think need to be represented at the table, just like everybody else needs to be represented. But if you don't know about them, you don't, you'll never be able to create an army. That means an Asian American or a Japanese American person won't be able, you know, to get in, you know what I'm saying? Cause if we're all te- taught yeah. under the American education system, then you won't know about it. <laughs> you, you, won't, <laughs> you, know? you won't know about it and you won't, and you'll be, you'll only get the negatives about anything else. That's other, other than American, basically any, yeah. Uh, basically white american because we you know we we talk about the <laughs> the regiments yeah. right yeah but like especially like i still deal with this a lot actually is the the asian like hate because of the bombing of pearl harbor and people like i was taught in schools about the concentration camps that we had in the united states but like you sure, mentioned you it now it, yeah. and then like nobody knows what you're talking about and they're like no we definitely 
were scared of Asians because they bombed us, and then we dropped an atomic bomb on them twice. <laughs> so yeah, and because the reason that they put them in concentration is they said, well, they're they're going to be spies and they're going to be loyal right. to Japan. I'm like right. motherfucker, they left Japan. Yeah, but they, they <laughs> didn't. Here. But it wasn't they're even third just, generation Americans. Yeah, and it wasn't even Japanese Americans. It was any type of Asian, like they any just, any Chinese, Philippines, yes. no matter what. Yep. You just had to be Asian looking. Yep, and there's like and there's still how you look. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it, I still deal with stuff from my wife's grandparents who hate Asian Asian culture and Asians altogether. And I'm like, I love Asian culture. Like, I I love the whole concept behind feudal Japan. The whole like I like I get some bad things happen, but like, how do you hate like a whole group of people for? I just I don't get it. I don't get it. But you know, they don't hate Germans. <laughs> no, yeah, right, yeah. You never hear them say anything about Germans, right? Correct. <laughs> yeah, they don't. They don't hate the Germans, right? So yeah. there's that. So, so yeah, yeah. So what we're dealing with is 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 white supremacy trying to be enshrined as our cultural norm, right? Right, and 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 that's what the fight that we're in right now. And I never thought we'd be in 2022 and still having this fight, right? Should black people have the right to vote? Should black people have the right uh, civil rights? You know, uh, we had a, a guy in uh, Kalamazoo who just got shot trying to get away from the police. And we said, oh, I was scared for my life. Well, if you're scared for your life, you don't chase people down and shoot them. Right. <laughs> people who are scared for their life usually let people run away from them. Right. You know, so, you know, this whole situation where, you know, things are starting to come to light because people have video cameras. People are taping shit now. People are recording it. Yep. You know, police having body cameras. You well, know, we, those type of lived... things become important because the things that people have been complaining about for years and and people blowing it off can't be blown off anymore because here's, here's the video. Because now people have receipts. And I think in the gaming community, it's starting to creep in also, right? But there's yeah. people like us who, who work in good faith, who want to play together, who want, you know, people to just be fucking normal and not so goddamn right. crazy, yes. you, know? <laughs> you know? Yes, 100% yes. <laughs> you know, can we just sit down and roll some dice and talk about how beautiful our miniatures are and have a good time exactly. and maybe even learn a little bit of history if you're playing historical games, right? Right, exactly, you know? yeah. Oh. You know, and if we're playing fantasy games, then, hey, let it all roll, you know? <laughs> you know? And I, I remember people went off about... um the D and D lady who made the wheelchair uh, wizard or whatever it was, oh, like she made a the... model of the guy in a wheelchair and people like, ah, combat wheelchair. That's what it was. It was a combat wheelchair and people lost yep. their fucking minds over that. Yep. People actually like, lost their what? minds after about that too. And I had posted something about it. I was like, there's actual miniatures for this already. There's a company that kickstarted it years ago that makes different kinds of miniatures of characters in wheelchairs and everyone's like, well, uh, this is what blew my mind. One person, I flipped out on them. I actually made a video about it. I'm like, this is some like Nazi like World War II crap. He goes, well, I just kill off all the disabled people in my world. I was like, you want to wow. say that? I'm like, side. Yeah, straight up. There it is. I was like, you want to say it again, but a little bit slower and maybe wear the mustache this time? Like, because holy yeah. shit, dude. Like, <laughs> no, you know what you should say to him? Oh, it sounded better than the original German. <laughs> God, I was like, I couldn't believe it. I was just like, people still think like this? Like, yes, and this cow. is what we have to fight against. Yeah. This is what we have to. This is the struggle that we're in. This is the struggle of our time. Me and you, right now, have to build a firewall against people like that and that type of thinking because it's poisonous. Yes, very much. It's so. poison. Very much so. And it's like I, it's weird because I was just having this conversation with somebody else. Like, 
I get called misogynist, racist, homophobic, and I'm just like, what? I'm like, how? Wait, how? I'm like, please explain what I did to do that. And it it usually happens when I'm the one calling out the behavior that they're accusing me of. Oh, and they, they, they project it like, onto you. Yeah, and I'm just like, yeah, I've had that happen a lot. I was like, so hold on online, a second. <laughs> on, yeah, online people don't see that I'm I'm the color that I'm at, I am. Right. Right. Yeah. And so online. You know, I'm usually it's a gaming picture or a miniature or some kind of drawing or something that's my avatar, right? So they can't see it. And in the communities that I'm in, miniature gaming is usually predominantly white and male. So they assume yeah. I'm a white male. So I had people accusing me when Games Workshop came out against the Nazi guy of like, oh, why are you trying to virtue signal? I'm like, who the fuck am I virtue signaling to? <laughs> you know, why are you caping for these people? Why are you being such a simp? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know, and they just like I was a white guy trying to virtue signal to white pe to black people that I'm cool. I'm right. like, no, I'm a person who's fucking experienced this shit fucking firsthand. Right. Dump dipshit. You know? See, I, said, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have to I don't have to cape or simp or or virtue signal for anybody because there's no virtue for me in this. Yeah. You know, I, I actually and, uh, and I, I, yeah, I yeah. tell people like because I grew up in. I, I'm the first generation of American here in the United States. The rest of my family came off the boat from Italy. So okay. they were all part of that, you know, when Italians were basically their own separate race for a while. Um, they yeah. all came through, like, Ellis were, Island and stuff like that. So I grew up... You were auto-colored. Yeah. I, <laughs> you, were, you were a little bit too dark to be white. Yeah, right, yeah. And I grew... So I grew up with like very, very racist grandparents. Like I was told, like, if you brought uh, an African-American person home, we would disown you like a girl home or whatever. And I'm like, what? Have they ever been to Sicily? Right. Ex <laughs> Dude, I, can't, I, 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 I cannot express this enough to you. I can't tell you how much mainland Italians hate Sicilians. Like, because, because they have part black in them, yeah. Right, because the yeah. the slave trade from Africa had gone through Sicily, and they thought that they were tainted. And I was just like, "Holy crap!" I, like it's crazy shit, right? Dude, it's it is. It is. And it, here's an, like, so uh, was it 2000? When did Obama get elected? Uh, 2010. 2010. 2008. He elected right. 2008. Yeah. So 2008. Yeah, so two terms. Yeah. That would be. Uh, 2008 to 2014. Um, my son was about six or seven about then. So Obama was running, and my mom kept just dropping n bombs everywhere. And I had to move back in with her at the time with my son because my my son, my oldest at the time, like now, he was living with me, and she was just dropping n bomb after n bomb after n bomb. And I was like, no, I'm done. I'm out. So I took my kid and I left. And um, come Halloween that year, he's just walking down the street saying it, and I said, no, 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 no. I said, stop that. And I had, I moved. I no longer talk to my family. Like I, I hundred percent, like any, any family that's still living, I no longer talk to them. Like <laughs> that's just, and I'm just like, how did I, and I, I'm still ignorant to a lot of stuff. Like I'll be the first to admit that. Like I'm still very ignorant to a lot. Cause I grew up in white suburbia basically. Right. And I just, I, I keep telling people like where I've come from and like who, like a family that I was raised in and how I am now. I'm like, how did I become this way? Like, how am I not one of those ignorant assholes that still thinks the way my family did? Like what, like what triggered, like what, what was that turning point? And like, how do I get that into other people now to, to see that like, 
you don't have to be that ignorant asshole that the rest of your family is. Like, you can be your own person and think like a normal fucking human being. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, you so, educated yourself. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if it's education because, like, I'm literally, what I, I kid you not, there's a lot of things I'm still ignorant about. Like, I just learned about the, uh, fuck, the, Harle- the Harlem fighters. Harlem Hellfighters? Yeah. Harlem Hellfighters. Yeah. I just learned about them not even two years ago. I had no, I do, I'm 38 years old. <laughs> like, I kid you <laughs> not. I like, I literally just learned about them two years ago. So like, I'm still very ignorant to a lot of the stuff that's going on there. Like that's out there and still in history. And, and right. I'm, I don't think like how some of these other people think. I just, I, it just blows my mind. Some of the stuff that you hear. And well, again, so. it's, 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 I mean, you're securing yourself, right? I think a lot of these people use, like they have nothing else, so they fall back on race as being, you know, this is what makes me better. If you being born white is the best thing about you, you got a lot of work to do. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I, and, uh, I didn't mean to get yeah. political on you there, but it's just. It's, no, it's, well, it's something that we have to deal with. I mean, because right. we, yeah. we're, we're dealing with a social activity where we're dealing with with people in a, in a society and we have to deal with all types of people, right. you know, and some of those people are just like that. I just saw a crow snatch a baby bird out of a, a mockingbird nest. Oh, I, I didn't saw, think birds were having babies this early. I saw a hawk grab a cat and I deliver Chicago. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the weird, like the cat was just chilling on the fence and this hawk came out of nowhere and I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> so yeah, I, it's weird. I mean, nature vicious. <laughs> It's scary. It's very scary. <laughs> yeah, it's, shit just got real. Because I saw like the hot, like the crow was making all this noise, and the mockingbirds are like dive bombing him, and he just got onto a tree, and then he dropped down onto a branch, and then he just came up with this little piece of something in his mouth, and I realized it was a, it was one of the little mockingbirds out out of their little nest. Oof, that's I was like that was because <laughs> the crows were so big and the mockingbirds were so small. You know, it was an uneven fight. They couldn't. You know, they could only attack him when he was in the air. When he was sitting down, they just, you know, he could have just pecked him to death, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Nature, nature is home of our walking. super yeah, frightening. Yeah, nature happened. <laughs> yeah, so, well, you can edit that out. So, but yeah, but but for us, for people of good faith, people of goodwill, gamers that want to have a bigger table for everybody to play at, I think that yeah. we that we have to be on guard against this as it starts to try to creep in into our community. Yeah, I always uh, I'm a big proponent of we need to our we need to police our own groups. Like if you see yeah, it happen, sure. say something. Don't let it continue happening. And like I think that's Correct. what needs to happen. Yeah, you you can't let the bully rule the playground, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. So Yeah, and luckily, you know, and 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 like I said, you know, when you when you're at a store and you have a good owner that doesn't tolerate that shit, your groups will flourish. You know, yeah. groups, groups will flourish because as gamers, we just want people to play with. I mean, right. nobody wants to have to put up with, you know, you dragging your racist bullshit on, onto the gaming table with you. I don't want to be. The, <laughs> I don't want to be the only guy waiting there to play a game for like four hours, and then when finally somebody shows up, I got like twenty minutes to play something. So, <laughs> <laughs> so. yeah, yeah, and hopefully, like I said, hopefully, you know, it leads to a healthier gaming community. You know, oh, sure. because if we if we weed that type of toxicity out, because women make up 50 percent of the population, why would you exclude them? 
you know? Yeah. Especially now since like uh, with D and D and like women are more into the hobby now and there's no, like it doesn't make sense that you would cut out people that want to play. Like there's still like video games and stuff like that, like that they catch a lot of flack in and I get it. Like the, um, like, oh, wasn't it Gamers think... Gate where we, female yeah. gamers were being attacked for just being female gamers? Yeah. They're saying they... that they weren't real gamers. Yeah. I'm like, no, they sit down at a computer and they play just like everybody else. Exactly. Exactly. And and I was just talking to Dr. Implausible kind of about it, and he gave me some papers to read, uh, some papers that I have read on how to combat it. And it literally, it's the stuff that we were just saying. Like, I've been saying it for years now, is that when you see it happen, stop it. Say something about it. Yeah. it. And plus, so. as a white male, you have a lot more cachet. You know, when white men stand up against that kind of, against other white men who are starting shit, it gives them a lot more, it gives it a lot more weight because of the way our society is structured. Yeah, I'm not very you know, tactical with it, though. A lot of people won't say it to me because they know I, I, I don't put up with that shit. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm not very tactical, though. Like, I'm very, like, Hulk smash, like, on everything that I do. So. <laughs> yeah, well, again, be, being from Detroit, man, we roll deep. <laughs> you know? <laughs> we roll deep. But, uh, but yeah, so, so I think that, that by creating a, a positive environment for everybody to play in, whether, whether you have disabilities, whether you, you know, have, you know, whatever, whatever stripe of life you come to, you should be welcome. And for people to say that I'm being discriminated against because I'm a white male, you can go sit your ass down somewhere. You're being discriminated against it. You're being discriminated against because you're saying something fucking stupid, not because of yeah. the color of your goddamn skin. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, but that's, yeah. And, you know, so, yeah, not so, here in America. Right. Maybe, maybe if you're in Kenya, maybe. Okay. I'll, I'll give you that one. But, but not here in America. And, uh, and again, our, our company is dedicated to doing that. I mean, you know, one of our original founders, uh, Susan House, you know, she was a female gamer. And the reason that she did, she never played alone is because of that. Because, I mean, she'd have a ring on her finger and people would be like, hey, baby. And it's like, oh, look, yeah. dude, you know, like, leave me the fuck alone. If I wanted to date, I'd go on a dating app. I wouldn't come to the fucking game night at the store. You know, <laughs> my so, wife, my wife still struggles with that at my local GW and it's funny because like um, the Tim, the guy who runs it, like I've known him for years um, and he knows my wife, like when he sees her. So like sometimes mm-hmm. she, cause she works near the store. So sometimes I'll be like, Hey, can you grab me like a pot of paint of this paint? Like I've already called the store and paid for it. All you gotta do is pick it up and he'll see her right. coming in and he'll meet her like at the door because like he knows the, the like certain she people. Won't get about being hit on. Exactly. Cause there's some yeah. people in there that like, I mean, he can say something and he does say stuff about it, but it's like he he'd rather like avoid that interaction completely because like he knows like if it gets back to me and then I show up and I know who the guy was like, I'm going to say something like it's on and popping. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I look, I've I've been at stores and I've seen it like where like a girl has been. She was playing Age Age of Sigmar, actually. And we complimented her how good her army was. And then one guy complimented her again. He was like, hey, you know him get together and paint she and she like held her like hand up in front of the miniature and she had a ring on her finger right yeah. and uh and then he just like a couple minutes later he said something else and then he's like so when, when we're gonna get together and paint and then the biggest white guy in there is, uh, he said hey man she said no three times already leave her the fuck alone right like, thank yep. you dude <laughs> jesus you know yeah like, we actually give it a fucking rest. we had a guy it, this is it's so weird and it's funny because uh 
one of the other guys, um, the he's not the fill-in guy. He's the regular. He's the alternate guy. Not alternate. What is it? There's two guys that work at the shops now for GW. Yeah. The, 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 oh, the single store. Uh, he, the single store GW. Yeah. Single single owner stores. Yeah. Yeah. And he he. So somebody came walking through the door. I kid you not, with a fedora on, with the SS pins on his fedora. The guy saw him from behind the counter and goes, "You need to take the hat off, or you can leave." And he goes, yeah. "What?" And he goes, "That he goes, you need to take the pins off, take the head off, or you can just not shop here." So the guy got angry, and he's just like, "I'm telling you for the third time now, either take it off or leave." And the guy left, and he never came back. And I was just like, yeah. I'm, I'm like <laughs> those are the people. Like, if you naturally, if you have a pin and you just don't know, like, if you're ignorant to it and you're just like, "Oh, okay, whatever," and you took it, took it off right away. Right. That's one thing. Which is but, possible. Right. It is possible. Which is possible. It's very possible. But if you're defending wearing the hat, like there is that that's like you said, they hundred percent have that ideology. Like <laughs> Yeah. So and, and, and there's people who are trying to creep in the community with the ideology. And historicals are, are riddled with them. Yeah. That, you know, riddled yeah. with them. So, but I, I eliminate a lot of it because I'm the one sponsoring the events, right? I'm the one giving the miniatures, I'm the one giving the prize support. You know, I'm the right. one hosting at the store. So when they come in and they can't say, well, the, the people who are putting on the event don't mind. Oh, yes, I do. It's my event. I mean, I've had to come across that, too, where they thought I was just the help. Oh, <laughs> <You know? geez. laughs> Not realizing, yeah. no, all these miniatures on the table, they're all mine. Right. You know? Uh, oh, the price support? Yeah, that's, that's mine, too. Oh, rented out this entire area and the food? That's mine also. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. So that kind of answered the question of like, how does it like affect you? And it's like they just don't they don't know because or they just don't acknowledge it. Right. But yeah. It's yeah. So because weird. Number it's one. So weird. Yeah. Well, because they would have to confront me, right? Right. You know, and you can't have a conversation when there's an African American in the room. You know, you can't have that conversation when there's a Native American in the room. You can't have that conversation when there's a woman in the room. You can't have a conversation when there's you know, an Asian person in the room, you know, you, because you, we are, we know our history. We know what happens to us. You know, mm-hmm. when there's two white guys, then they can argue about it. But when there's somebody else who's experiencing it, you can't, you know, put it aside. Just like, you know, the, the young lady that was harassed at the store. I'm sure that's not the first time she was harassed. No. And the, the minimizing you know? of that experience to, of some people is also harmful because they're like, Oh, he was yeah. just kidding. No, no. She told you how she felt. That should matter more than his joke. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. No, I get it. All right. Do you, yeah. So, sorry. Sorry. We just took like a freaking half hour to talk about that. But it, like I said, it was a pretty intense question. And I, I kind of figured it was going to happen. And no. I didn't want to make the whole thing about it. But, okay. Do you want to plug? We can cut it up into two pieces. <laughs> no, I'm, it's all going up at once. I, even even okay. the even nature taking into effect is going to stay in. I'm not cutting that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> anyway, so um, do you do you want to plug your website where people can sure. find you? It's, any of it's recent events? Uh, G-A-D-D-I-S-G-A-M-I-N-G, GaddisGaming.com. We're on all the socials, the Facebooks, the Instagram. I don't really use Instagram or Twitter that much. Twitter just seems to be a cesspool, but I do post stuff. So if you have any questions, you can, you know, you can post it up on our social media and it'll get to me. We also have a, a chat feature on our website if you have any questions. Um, and like I said, uh, join uh, the guards rules group. You know, you can get all kind of free files and start from there. We have a group on Facebook for Empire Falls and for Shattered Crown. So 
you know, feel free to join any of those groups and post your pictures of your armies or ask questions about the rules or, you know, chit chat with, with other community members. You know, we love having you. And, and we also post up uh, what we're doing uh, on our website and, and on our blog. We have a newsletter that comes out every month, which I will be posting up tonight, uh, sending out to our subscribers uh, to let you know what's going on. Our Kickstarter uh, is, uh, is uh, Crystalum. Uh, which will be going live uh, sometime in the next 30 days. But, you know, once we get enough likes and follows on the Kickstarter, we'll be able to launch that. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, feel free to join us on all of our social media. We love having you. We love talking gaming. We love talking miniatures. And we love seeing what you guys paint. Oh, and, of course, I'm, I'm on TikTok. TikTok, yep. <laughs> That's how we met. <laughs> yeah. TikTok um, do you have any- is a very interesting tool. Do you have any uh, events coming up, like live events you're going to be at? Yeah, we have the Midwest Miniatures Expo, which is in uh, it's June uh, 11th and 12th. We have Little Wars, which will be in Chicago uh, next week. Uh, I'll be I'll be in Chicago again at Little Wars, um, and and then we're at uh, we're in Wisconsin at the uh, Tabletop Minions Expo in Oshkosh, Wisconsin fantastic i always forget about little wars i might have to actually show up again <laughs> so, yeah come down let, let's do a live stream oh man that, lugging all that stuff around and then not using it last time i was like i'm not doing that again <laughs> I, you, can, you can set up right in my booth you can set up right in my booth right in your booth <laughs> all right i'll work something out i'll work something out <laughs> all right well thanks for taking the time thanks for having the conversation with me um jason the pleasure was mine Oh yeah, definitely. And you're, and you're not an angry gamer at all. You're a really nice gamer. Oh, you should have met me before when I hated GW. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank so. thank you for having me on, and, and it's been a pleasure. And anytime you want to talk, feel free to call. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye bye, everyone.